With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. A busy Wednesday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Start looking forward to a big-time weekend, big-time game tonight. In college hoops, we need to preview. That's Texas and Marquette. Long ones stepping up in weight class, right? They've lost to UConn in the hard-fought battle for their only loss of the year, and now... Uh, UConn getting got behind big, came all the way back, got it within uh, striking distance, and then uh, UConn pulled back away. Uh, tonight they came back and played Wyoming and Texas State, got wins to get to six and one, and now Marquette tonight in Milwaukee, part of the Big East mm-hmm. Big Twelve battle. Yeah, Rodney Terry facing Shaka Smart. Ooh, that's sexy right there. And Ty will know this: that uh, only one player on the current Texas roster played for Shaka Smart. I think every there's only one guy who's been here for ten years. Yeah, Brock yeah, Cunningham. So, uh, Brock Cunningham. <laughs> man, oh man, OG, OG, OG. Well, he's yeah. like Ty's age. You know, Ty hung around with him. <laughs> no, I honestly, it, it, I, I love it. Some people don't like it, man. I love that these guys who basically went through COVID and through the kind of the shift of the transfer report and everything. <laughs> These guys have ended up with like seven years of eligibility. Like, I don't even know how it works out. I haven't even done the math. But it's happening in college football, college basketball. If you if you end up in that sweet spot, you can just milk it for for as much eligibility as you can. Yeah, you're not a pro, probably, as far as the NFL. Because you got that, or that COVID NBA. year. They gave that extra COVID year. Oh, yeah. On that, on and top in of that. Brock's case, he redshirted before COVID yes. even happens. So, there you go. Yeah. yeah crazy yes i'm saying you hit that sweet spot there's some guys that end up there's some college football players that are going to go up there seventh year yeah. it's like how the hell does that happen but you know what if you're not going pro like if you're dealing gabriel you're not nfl quarterback you you'll get a shot but why rush the opportunity because you know you're not necessarily going to get drafted that high you'll get a shot and it's an outside shot but now with nil and the transfer portal and college football dude you can you really set yourself up for the rest of your life with a nice little stash. You probably get, Dylan Gabriel could probably end up making what from transferring to Oklahoma and now wherever he's going, what maybe half a million maybe dollars. Maybe Oregon, maybe Oregon. Yeah, like maybe half a million dollars in sure. NIL. And, yeah, yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah, it's hey. good money. It's <laughs> good well, money. Then you're like uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I get older and older, and the girls stay the same. Exactly. Look at how many of y'all right now be like, man, I would love to be in college now. <laughs> dude, I had that experience. When I got there with the NFL and came back, to, thank God for Mac Brown. Because yeah. Mac Brown could miss me. I came back to just visit, and Mac was like, what you doing? I was like, I think I'm retired, Mac. He's like, what you mean you're retired? He's like, have they, are they calling you? I was like, no. He's like, oh, you are retired then. <laughs> and they're not, you never retire. The NFL just kind of gets they're, they're done calling retire you. You retire or you've been retired. And most of you, most of the NFL, but even Dan Neal said that, oh, no, you get retired. They stopped calling. 
Because as soon as they call, you'll be like, I'm ready. <laughs> Are you actually ready? No, but I'm ready. I'll be ready to go. Uh, yeah, so I was done with my NFL career. Came back and back. I was like, no, you should come to school. Come back to school. We'll get up. All right. We'll make sure you're on scholarship, all that kind of stuff. And they did. That's why University of Texas is awesome because every school doesn't allow ex-athletes to just come back to school. Texas does. As long as you're not kicked out of school or as long as you're not, you know, unceremoniously removed. Right, from well, the you team still have to be in good academic standing. Yeah, too. as long as you're not kicked out of school or kicked off sure. the team, usually you're really you're, you're pretty good. And that goes back, guys, and it's from the 60s and the 70s. All right, gals, too. Uh, from whenever you're a student athlete, you can come back. That's a beautiful thing. Not every university does that. They make you pay University of Texas let you come back on scholarship. But I digress, came back, and I was basically an old man in the classroom. It was awesome. It was amazing. And I say old man, I was, what, 25, 20, 20, 26? Yeah, yeah. I had played five years. I was basically, I was, I was like 27. Okay. I was like 27, 28. So I was a little bit older, but still, it was awesome. It was awesome. I only did it for a year, but it was one of the best years of my life. <laughs> I got a lot of court, man. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, you went from uh, battling a, for oh, attention in, like, uh, Detroit and New was, York City to uh, amazing. campus. It was great. The fish bowl. <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. I got to tell you, uh, the numbers just shot through the roof for that you one say year. Say no more, my friend. Oh. I think we all get uh, where you're. It was great. Uh, buy what you're selling right there, my friend. <laughs> so I feel Dylan Gabriel in the seven-year seven plan. We try Oregon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that campus is. Oh, yeah. And, and you're the big man on campus. Oh, yeah, the BMOC. Oh, man. Good hey, for you. Ride it out. Milk, milk it. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that's what Brock Cunningham is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, come on. Hey, don't get me started. I asked Brock about his experience. Brock is loving Because at that point, when you're, when you're in your seventh year, you don't have, unless he's trying to get his master's, maybe he is. Um, if somebody got to get your master's or something, then maybe you, you got a full slate academically. But a lot of these guys, they don't have a full slate. They're just in, taking a couple Class hours. Class or two. Yeah. <laughs> Class or two, kicking it. Oh, good for you, young man. Good for you. All right, let's get to the uh, to the headlines, trending topics. Rod's got a rant this hour. We've got uh, to, we'll preview that Texas Marquette game. Let's get to the, to the top stories, though. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories on this Wednesday. Start with college football Longhorns. Texas players taking a step back from football, finishing up their academic year this week and next. Texas coaches by no means taking a break. They're on the road, fanned out across the country recruiting, looking to solidify and add a few more pieces to the 2024 high school recruiting class. On that front, confirmation from inside Texas yesterday that five-star safety and Florida, ver- Florida verbal commitment uh, Xavier Filsamy has locked in an official visit to be on campus at Texas the uh, the weekend of December 7, 15th through the 17th. Of course, the early signing window opens on the uh, December the 20th. Uh, he's a playmaking safety from McKinney, Texas, be on campus that weekend. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian and safeties coach Blake Gideon also scheduled to make an in-home visit with Phil Samee and his family Thursday night of this week. That five-star trip will occur directly ahead of the recruiting dark period, which opens on the 18th ahead of December 20th's open window. Inside Texas also reported that the Longhorns showing serious interest in a trio of players who have entered the transfer portal this week. A pair of wide receivers and a safety with local ties on their uh, wish list, apparently. According to IT, the Longhorns in pursuit of uh, Purdue Speedy slot receiver Deontay Burks, 5'11", 190 pounds, originally from Detroit, caught 47 passes and seven touchdowns from former Texas quarterback Hudson Card this this season as a redshirt sophomore for the Boilermakers. 
Texas also very interested in a bigger-bodied receiver from South Carolina, Antoine Juice Wells. He entered the portal on Monday, 6-1-2-0-7. Flourished with the Gamecocks after transferring in from James Madison. Physical player, run after catch, strong hands at the catch point. Uh, both players expected to be at or near the top of the portal market for the wide receivers. Another player definitely on the Texas radar is Clemson safety and former LBJ Jaguar Andrew Makuba. Makuba started 10 games for, L- or for Clemson this past season as a junior, but a freshman All-American in 2021. Keep in mind his high school head coach, Jamal Fenner, currently the director of high school relations for Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, major early season test for Texas hoops tonight. Longhorn basketball playing Marquette in that Big East Big 12 battle. Get more of that. I'll preview of that coming up to, um, here in a bit. Also in the NBA, LeBron James scored 15 of his 31 in the fourth. Helped the Lakers secure that last semifinal spot in the inaugural NBA's in-season tournament. They had a tough, tight win over Phoenix last night. Good game. 106-103. Lakers now face New Orleans. Also last night, Milwaukee throttled the Knicks. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Uh, pretty amazing that LeBron is still having <laughs> these amazing fourth quarter performances. <laughs> How old is LeBron now? Are we, what are we, 39? Uh, 39. 39, yeah. 39, right? Yeah, approaching 40. Had 31, 11, 8. Going eight. head-to-head with Durant last yes. night. KG. Yeah. That was that was a, that was okay. I'll ask you this, Ty, because you watch probably more NBA. I watch. Ask both of you guys. Have you watched any of the in season tournament? Uh, on accident, it's not. It's not a. <laughs> it's not like a scheduled yeah, viewing not, appointment for okay. for watching so, it. So like, I've I've thrown it on just thinking it's a regular season. You know, just a regular season, regular uh, game. And then I'm like, oh, the okay. court's different. I guess it's a yes. turn, in season tournament game. But okay. beyond that, no. I can't wait to see the, what the ratings are, if it actually did increase viewership. It'll be interesting for yours, truly, because I'm not guilty, Your Honor. I have not watched it. No, I, I haven't either. I saw, but, uh, but There's I, so much football to be yes. and we're back and you know, doing everything we've been doing. But this weekend, it should slow down a little bit. Uh, and That's this true. is the weekend of the – and I think by design, the NBA, when they design the schedule of this thing, they can understand how people – College football. College football slowing NFL, down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you have a little more time Thursday night. And the Thursday night game in the NFL is terrible. I mean, it's the Patriots. It's the two lowest-scoring teams in all of pro football. I mean, it's two great brands, uh, historically, the Steelers and Patriots. But for this year, it's a bad game. NFL's got primetime game problems. It's the, right? lowest, the primetimes. lowest over-under in NFL history. Yeah. It, what is the over-under oh, total? It's in 30, game? 30 and a half. Uh, oh. <laughs> wow. In NFL history? Yeah, Man, well, it makes sense. Well, you know, here we are on December the sixth, and the uh, the two neither of these teams, Steelers or Patriots, have scored over two hundred points this season. I'll say the Steelers have a better chance because the Steelers at least have a different offensive. But they have Mitch Trubisky now. Because Kenny Pickett's hurt, don't forget. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh well, then I changed my mind. Then I was gonna say because their new offense coordinator. Remember, they had they got 400 yards of total offense for the first time in like 50 something games after they fired Matt Canada. Uh, and what do you say? It was the first time for the Steelers that they uh, dismissed it. A coordinator in season? A coach of any kind Ever. during the season Ever. since 1943 yeah, something, or something. Yeah, something crazy. Crazy. So they, Steelers just he, don't do that. The, he was that bad, guys. They had to do it. Trust me. We were talk, It was an ongoing uh, bit on this show making fun of Matt Catter and how bad that offense was. Uh, so, man, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize Mr. Trubisky was the guy. So many quarterback injuries, too. Yeah, Kenny Pickett's now hurt, and uh, it's, it, he's going to be out a while. And it looks like Trevor Lawrence for Jacksonville is going to be out you know, it's a high ankle sprain, so it could be a month. I don't know if I had. I don't know if I added Kenny Pickett to the list. I got to check. That may be half the league half now. Half the league now, and now you put Trevor Lawrence on the list. That's, that was fifteen. Trevor Lawrence would have been fifteen if Kenny Pickett's on there. I don't think he's on my list. 
That'd be half the league now that's played a backup quarterback. Well, and I would mention to that point, I mean, that's if you're a Texans fan like Rod and I, I mean, C.J. Beathard's going to be quarterback in the uh, Jaguars for probably through Christmas. High ankle sprain. We saw if you saw the injury. Yeah. That's not something he rushes back from. I yeah. mean, it's no, they, no surgery for Trevor Lawrence, but that's a month injury before he's healthy. That's Easy. his plant foot on the right side. Um, that's that, and obviously they're sitting atop the division, but only a game up on Houston and Indianapolis. So those are two. Uh, th- Rod, it's amazing. And we'll get to your rant here in a moment and then preview that, Texas. Man. And that's uh, yeah, your franchise quarterback. Yeah, you can't rush that. The New England Patriots through 12 games, Rod, have scored 148 points. I mean, that's 12 points a game. I mean, it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. Uh, the Steelers only scored 192. I mean, yeah. can, I know why the Steelers are bad, though. Why are the Patriots – why is the Patriots' <laughs> offense so bad? It's because of Matt Jones? And Bill who? O'Brien and lack of weapons and who's – I mean, who are good players on offense? Yeah, Matt Jones. I've, I've watched Matt Jones. He I mean, and Bill Belichick, the impressive. general manager, hurting Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien, the coaches, there just aren't any good receivers. Who's yeah. their good receiver? No. I mean, who's their good running back? Ramondre Stevenson? I don't mean – And then you combine that with the fact that <laughs> uh, you combine the lack of talent offensively with Bill O'Brien, who you and I know intimately well in terms of his offensive philosophy yeah. from his time with the Texans and even with Alabama. He he doesn't necessarily give you a, a schematic advantage. No, <laughs> no. Well, then the Steelers have more weapons, and, but they've we just had a receivers. bad offensive coordinator. I mean, they, yeah, they, but they've got in locker room problems. The Deontay Johnson thing, that – a uh, video went viral of him like not trying on a play at all. Did you see that when he was? I even... did not miss that. Oh my gosh! I'll send it to you. Like the, the play in, in running a game? in a game. Oh wow! I and this guy. I mean, he, the play was happening and he was just standing there, like the play, like he was like it was on a fumble. A oh yeah. Oh uh, okay. I, so, I, yeah, I don't know if he saw the ball come out, but even when he did, he did not make an effort whatsoever. He made to, no effort to chase down. It was the, bad luck. So so that's a problem. George Pickens not happy because he doesn't get the ball, and you know. But at least they have Najee Harris, and they've got uh, Jalen Warren. They got some decent players. But that's tomorrow night's Thursday game. Point of that was that I might watch the NBA play in uh, semifinals it's not because, a bad idea. and I haven't, yeah. and maybe that's a night where sit back and watch some of that, or we'll see. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna. Hey, listen, I, I told you, if you're, if you're rooting for a team in the play and you want to get into the NBA, go with Indiana with Miles Turner. Lowest payroll of all the teams in the NBA, yet they're in it. And each one of those players is going to make like 500 grand. Like, I mean, so they're, those young guys, lowest payroll, they're actually playing for some cash. Let's go win some money. Let's go take that pot at the end. Uh, beat the Lakers. Beat the uh, Bucks. But, by the way, the other side of that with the, uh, the NBA ride, the Bucks. The Bucks. 146 last night. We thought when Damian Lillard was traded to Milwaukee to go with Giannis. That team could be unbelievable. Listen, they, they shot 61% from the field last night and beat the Knicks like a drum. Uh, really <laughs> impressive. Really impressive. All right, let's get to Rod's rant first of two today on this Wednesday morning. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, I had to. Uh, I'm obsessed with this uh, real analytics uh, in-game. Um, basically, they do in-game speed tracking. 
um, and they, they have their own technology that they use. Um, but they, they basically track all the games off, across college football at the FBS level, and they track the fastest players in-game, like actually in-game situations, punt returns, you know, breakaway runs, you know, breakaway, uh, you know, yards after the catch scenarios. Anytime a player can get to max speed, they track it, and then they give you the fastest players in college football every week. Um, and it's a really, it's a really, really cool uh, stat that they have. And like I said, I think it's it's one of those things where uh, you know it doesn't necessarily give you the fastest players. They're not tracking every player that's on every play, but ball carriers are what they're tracking. And Sark's going out of his way to emphasize speed on the outside, and he wants mass girth on the inside, right? Big humans inside, and he wants fast, speedy humans on the outside. That's his formula to compete at the highest levels, his championship formula. Um, it, it's going to do well when he goes into the SEC and translate well when he goes into the SEC. Uh, but remember, he said his formula was based on watching the college football playoff and watching the commonalities between the best teams that played in the college football playoff. And the commonalities for him were big humans inside, fast humans on the outside. May simplified for you, <laughs> and elite quarterback play. I think that's he didn't add that to the mix, but based on well, and then his when, formula. And then when he got to Atlanta, he had an undersized offensive line. He did, and he tried to run his system that yeah. they were. And it was like, I can't do it. I, I can't do it against big, big physical D lines. Yeah. and I'll never let that happen again. When I get if I ever get yeah. a head coaching Need job, bigger humans. That's exactly right. And and that was actually when he and you know uh, Cal Flood started tinkering with that sixth offensive lineman up there. That was one of the reasons. It was like, no, no, we just need more mass. We actually need another big human to uh, compensate for the fact that we Build don't have enough mass. Exactly right. Uh, so anyway, uh, so step, that, that's Sark's formula. But what I love about the real analytics tracking is they've been tracking ball carriers, and they have um, essentially confirmed Sark's formula is working. Uh, they have Xavier Worthy uh, as now after the – College football season is done and, and officially after championship Saturday, uh, the championship weekend. They have Xavier Worthy as the fastest player in college football based on their real analytics in-game speed tracking data. They got him at 22.7 miles per hour on that punt return that, called, that got called back due to the penalty. That was the max speed he reached, and that is the highest max speed for any ball carrier in college football this season, like I said, remember they go weekly and track the fastest players in college football. They have them making three appearances on their uh, fastest players of the week list. So three different times he made the list. Uh, that's not the most. I believe the running back for Oregon made it five times. Um, he's a really, really good player. But anyway, getting back to it, Jaden Blue ended up making the list too of the top ten. They got Jaden Blue tracked at 22.3 miles per hour on that you know, breakaway run that he had versus Texas Tech. So they got him at 20, which, which is the ninth fastest track time so far this season. So essentially Texas has two players who ended up looking at max speed of their in-game speed tracking data, ended up top 10 fastest ball carriers in college football this season on specific plays, 22.3 miles per hour. Uh, he's the fastest running back tracked this season. Jaden Blue's the fastest running back they tracked all year long. Man. In a in-game speed data. So, and Xavier Worthy, of course, fastest player, but also the fastest wide receiver. So based on their data, they got Texas. They said Texas has the fastest running back in college football and the fastest wide receiver in college football. Now, I'm not saying that it's, 
you know, obviously, uh, you know, apples to apples kind of thing. But just talking about in-game live tracking with the ball carriers. Uh, just some other kind of uh, periphery items here. The fastest conference is the Big the Big Twelve. Oh wow. Yeah, the Big 12 had 43 appearances on the fastest players of the week list um, by Real Analytics. Uh, they had 43. Big 10 ended up with 40. The Big 10 is second. How about that? I'm a little surprised by that. Um, Pac-12 with thir- had 36 appearances. Uh, the ACC had 30. The SEC had 27. The AAC had 21 appearances. Uh, the Sun Belt 13. Mountain West Conference 11. Max 7. Conference USA ended up with four appearances uh, on the uh, fastest com- fastest players of the week list. If you look at teams with the most appearances, Ohio State first, then Oregon, then Florida State, then Kansas. Shout out to Kansas. Kansas actually had the fastest quarterback tracked in the nation. Jason Bean ended up being the fastest quarterback tracked. They had him uh, over 22 miles per hour as well. Um, and the most appearances by position – Running back, 109 times. Wide receiver, 79. DB, 26. QB, 21. Uh, only one tight end made the uh, most of, uh, any appearance at all. Um, so there you go. That's the uh, real-time, it's real, real analytics, I should say, in-game tracking, uh, speed tracking data. But they basically are confirming Sark's recipe, Sark's formula. It works. Fast speed on the outside, and Sark uses a ton of it, you know, weaponized within the framework of his offense. Uh, and Xavier Worthy, I asked him one time, I said, Xavier, I said, X-Man. When I interviewed him, I think he was around the Big 12 uh, media days, and I asked him, I said, who on the team is faster than you? Just give me that. He said, nobody on the team is faster nobody than me. on the team. He said, there's nobody faster than me on that team. Yeah. And I, he, he was he was not a brag. Like, he was not – he was being matter-of-fact. He's like, no, no, nobody on the team. Like, it's – it's pretty it, – it, trust me, it is known throughout that locker room I'm the fastest human being on, in that, on that football team. And he's arguably one of the fastest human beings, if not the fastest human being in college football right now. He's one of them. It'd be fun to see him at the combine coming up in Indianapolis yeah. as he's uh, uh, likely to get an invite and on his way off to but the But he's national. a good route runner, though. That's what I like he about is. him. He's, you know, sometimes, guys, I always say, you know, speed, it's, it's one of the data points, is one of the traits of a great wide receiver, but it doesn't make or break a, a great wide receiver. Having speed at wide receiver is like being well-endowed. Just because you're well-endowed doesn't make you a great lover. Right? <laughs> There's a lot of other things, uh, variables that play there, a lot of factors that play. Same thing about speed at wide receiver. Just because you're fast doesn't make you a great wide receiver. There's only one sub-4-3 wide receiver in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just one. Moss. Moss. Mr. Randy Moss. Moss. And he was Randy a great wide receiver. Moss. Well, that's why I know you like uh, Adonai Mitchell, <laughs> A.D. Mitchell, because his route running. I mean, he might run, not be the blazer when he gets to the combine, but his route running ability, yeah. uh, elite. Mm. Elite, uh, yes. which is what the next level is. That's and how you separate. And he's tall, and, you know, angular, long arms. Mm-hmm. Hey, that, that, that speed, uh, which Sark doesn't you – know, that's what he wants, right? He wants big speed. He wants big guys in speed. And then if you have big speed, okay, we'll take you too. Big uh, speed. You can get it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, speed. That's, that's JT Sanders. That's you right. got big speed, I'll take big speed. Give me that. Yeah. But uh, that leads to the uh, the portal guys the Longhorns are chasing. Deontay Burks, I know you've seen him at Purdue. He was a track guy in high school and can really yes. run. He, uh, he can run. He's a speed demon. And it, it actually fits kind of the Sark. You know, mode of receiver, right? Sark likes he does. Sark doesn't mind if you're slight or smallish, as long as you can play through contact and you're and you're a speed demon. 
Yeah. And that's Burks. He's a speed demon, and he plays through contact, got good hands. I think he fits really well in a Sark offense. I think he's really that kind of receiver. And uh, Juice, Juice Wells, bigger guy, but, uh, man, I, physical. I think Juice Wells will fit in any offense. I, think, <laughs> honestly, I just think he's one of those guys. I, I, he doesn't need compatibility. He's a contested catch freak. Um, I think that's his X-Man ability. Um, he's really powerful, uh, and once he gets the ball in his hands, I'll, I said that you know Burks is a yak daddy yards after the catch. Um, he's a yak daddy, but yards after contact. You're not going to tackle him with a shoulder, throwing a shoulder in there. You're not going to tackle him with an arm tackle. Once he catches that curl route or that out route, you better make sure you bring your form and you better wrap him up. Otherwise, he's going to break it and he's going to break away. I love Juice Gruskin. And I think he'd be really good in the red zone, kind of like A.D. Mitchell is, because he's really good at contested catches. As long as he gets well, a one-on-one. Like one of those guys on little short passes, too, little quick passes into, oh, into the boundary or whatever. Yeah, man. But, the screen with him? Yeah. Well, you keep saying it. And he went to South, he's going to, he's at South Carolina now, but transferring. You know, Debo Samuel. <laughs> I mean, that's how you see Shano using that guy. He's powerful. Powerful player. He's and powerful. I would also say, and we'll talk, we're going to actually check in with Jerry Hamilton here coming up from inside Texas. He'll help us preview the Texas Marquette game tonight uh, and what he thinks about Deontay Burks and the likelihood of the Longhorns landing him. Uh, Juice Wells out of uh, South Carolina. Andrew Makuba out of Clemson, a local name to watch. Uh, by the way, we, gotta, we always get these texts from, from Ken, Rod. Somebody who listens to our show said, yeah, it was uh, Makuba's brother told me this summer he, that Andrew oh. wanted to come home. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love when Ken folk hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll ask Jerry about that. Also, uh, what it's going to take for the Longhorns to find a win in Milwaukee tonight. Uh, we'll hit G-Man coming back, our, uh, our good friend Jerry Hamilton from Inside Texas. Great nice. stuff with Rod and the Rant. We'll hit the uh, uh, bullisher BS for the end of the hour, but uh, Jerry Hamilton coming next. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, hook him up with Ian Rod B on a busy Wednesday. Looking forward now to a big-time weekend. Cowboys-Eagles uh, front and center there. And a big game tonight, college basketball, Texas at Marquette. The uh, Big 12 Big East battle or Big East Big 12 battle, whichever you prefer. Let's go to the Vaqueros hotline, get a preview of that game and some uh, recruiting conversation, portal and high school, with our friend Jerry Hamilton, the uh, senior recruiting analyst for On3 Sports and Inside Texas and our good friend. Hello, Jerry. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys? What's up, Jerry? Hey, man, seems like we were just talking last night, which we were on the uh, we Tuesday were. night uh, Longhorn live stream, having a good time on Inside Texas. That was a blast. I wanted to bring some of that knowledge of yours to uh, to our audience here in, on the Horn. And uh, your thoughts on Marquette, Texas tonight. Longhorns have uh, gone 6-1. and one. They lost on November 20th to UConn. Uh, we all saw that game, got behind, came back, made it a game, but then too much UConn. Uh, they've won games over Wyoming and Texas State in the interim, and now here they are going back up in weight class to face Chaka Smart and the, uh, the Golden Eagles. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I think uh, Marquette's coming off an 11-point loss to Wisconsin, by the way. So they're 6-2, and two, ranked 8 in the country. Texas ranked 12 in the AP poll. I think the key, one of the big, big keys for Texas in this game 
There's three, but here's the first one for me. If it, the big lineup, if they start the big lineup, that, that that lineup has to get off to a better start offensively. That that lineup has struggled at times offensively. They they set a tone defensively with that lineup, but that lineup, that big lineup, and I'm talking Shedder, Dylan Mitchell, Brock Cunningham, Hunter, and Aceus. That then uh, it doesn't have ideal floor spacing, so they have to find a way to score the ball early in games, early in second halves with that big lineup. And that's been a struggle this year because they can't – what you don't want to do on the road, what you can't do is get down 12-2. You know, you, you get behind the eight ball just to start, then you feel like you're playing from behind, playing from behind. Uh, so that's going to be the key because what, that, what makes that lineup tough offensively is Dylan Mitchell's effectively a wing, and he's not a college basketball wing. Um, so that, that kind of disrupts ideal floor spacing. Very good player, just not a wing. Um, so that's a one. Two, Marquette has two guards, <clears throat> Kolick and the other kid, who can really hurt you if they get in the paint. Uh, Kolick's got great court vision. If they get in the paint, they create easy easy buckets for Marquette or wide open threes on kickouts. That is a two. You got to control the ball. Uh, you got to control penetration, especially if inside 12 feet in the paint against Marquette. Um, and the third thing is. Unforced turnovers. Texas has done a better job of it. They were sloppy with the basketball early in the season. They've gotten better at that. Tyrese Hunter, homecoming for him. He grew up, I believe, 30 minutes away from Milwaukee. Um, Tyrese Hunter has to be clean with the basketball tonight. The faster Texas can play, if they get off to a good start, I think is great against Marquette. Um, But this Marquette team is not quite as good as they were a year ago for me, especially offensively. So if Texas can just hold early, hold early, get to the free throw line, Max Aceman, Tyrese Hunter, it's IT Horton. Those guys need to get to the free throw line on this game. Turn around and put as much pressure on the Marquette guards as they're going to attempt to put on you. Yeah, uh, Tyler Kolek and uh, Cam Jones, the other guard who can get in the paint and get after it for Shaka Smart's team yes. at game 7 o'clock tonight. Great stuff from Jerry right there. And, yes, uh, Racine, Wisconsin, where uh, Tyrese Hunter from uh, going back home. We'll see if he can have a big game tonight. Longhorns need it. That four spacing is an interesting one with Dylan. He doesn't shoot the basketball really well, uh, so you can collapse off of him and his athleticism, you know, kind of hurts him at that point. Uh, switch gears, Jerry, just from recruiting. Uh, you got, you were the first to report, I believe, that uh, Xavier Phil Samee will be on campus uh, coming up in about two weeks and uh, take an official visit. You've been on the, uh, the tip of, of the spear of this recruitment, a Florida verbal commitment, but a guy from McKinney High School here in Texas, the Longhorns are not, uh, not taking the, uh, the accelerator off of, of trying to get him, get him to Austin. No, not at all. And he has an in-home visit with Steve Sarkeesian and Blake Gideon Thursday night as well. Then he's scheduled to come in next weekend, uh, December 15th through 17th, for an official visit. And why that is key is Texas will have begun practices again. That, so they want to get the, uh, Phil Samee on campus to watch them practice, kind of be around the team more in a practice setting again. Then the official visit, Jordan Johnson Rebel. Another safety who's beginning his career, Nickel at Texas, he'll be in town. Some other commits are expected to be in town that weekend as well. So that's when you want to get Phil Samee uh, in Austin is around the guys committed in the class he's grown up with. He knows guys on the Texas team, whether that's from seven on seven or playing against guys. Uh, so to get more familiarity with those guys, get the, some of the recruiting class together, watch a full practice and spend some real time with the Texas staff. That also makes sense uh, because this weekend Sarkeesian's going to be on the road 
making in-home visits. He's going to be making an in-home visit with Ryan Wingo coming up this Saturday. So, again, it makes sense to push Phil Samee's visit to December 15th through 17th. That is also right before the dead period, right before everything goes quiet. So uh, that that's great timing for Texas. Now, Florida, Billy Napier is D coordinator, Austin Armstrong. If they have their defensive back, they'll make an in-home visit. Uh, with the family at some point here. He's not currently expected to be back in Gainesville. Uh, we'll see if anything changes uh, in that regard, but uh, I think things are trending towards Texas headed into this official visit. Hey, Jerry, uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the targets Texas has in the transfer portal right now? We know Texas is pretty uh, picky uh, about uh, acquisitions in the transfer portal, but they have – targeted a few players uh can you give the guy can you give our listeners an update yeah so i think wide receivers is a position uh that they'll look really um extensively at in the portal i would say that we've mentioned juice wells we out of uh, south carolina we've mentioned uh deon burks out of purdue i think there's gonna be a couple other names pop up here as well right i think texas is gonna exercise some patience they like some guys that are in there now maybe they like some guys that may pop in more uh, that, that, that could possibly jump in the portal. We'll have to see uh, um, on that. But I think one or two receivers is likely out of the portal. Tied in, uh, an interesting name jumped in the portal. Holden Stays from Notre Dame, a downfield threat at the tight end position. He was a top target of Jeff Banks in Texas in the 2022 class. He just happened to pick Notre Dame. He's from Westminster High in Atlanta. I believe Texas will have real interest in Holden Stays. That could be a guy that would be a great uh, mix with Park, uh, with Gunnar Helm, and give Jordan Washington some time to develop at that position. Holden Stays is a—he's uh, probably as good of a downfield tight end threat as there is in the portal or will be in the portal. Um, then there's Trey Moore, the edge uh, linebacker, rush prospect out of uh, UTSA. Interesting guy. I mean, he came out of Smithson Valley, not highly recruited. He had UTSA, of course. We all know Jeff Trailer evaluates at a very high level at UTSA. He had UTSA, North Texas, at about every Ivy League. Uh, so he's super smart and kid, intelligent kid. But he's developed into one of the top pass rushers in college football. He had eight sacks, 18 tackles for loss after a redshirt freshman year. Then this year he had eight, 17 and a half tackles for loss in 14 sacks. So you're talking about one of the top sack guys in the college football this year. He's in the portal. Texas will have some interest there. We'll see who else jumps in the portal, uh, of course, at that, at that a disruptor position, whether it's off the edge, linebacker, uh, interior defensive line. They want a disruptor. Uh, but that's a name to know. Then there's Andrew Makuba. We talked about on uh, Longhorn Livestream on All Texas Football YouTube channel last night. Uh, former Austin LBJ safety. Played for Jamal Finner, the Texas uh, Director of High School Relations. He's a three-year starter for Clemson, both at nickel and safety. Has some versatility in his game, 149 tackles in three seasons. We'll see if he's just coming back home uh, to Texas. I mean, Oregon offered everybody started offering the Cougar once he entered the portal yesterday. Uh, but we'll see if he's going to return uh, for his final college football season to Austin. Those are some names to know early on. I think linebacker is also a possibility. I think punter is a possibility. I could see up to six or seven guys out of the portal possibly uh, for Texas. I'm not saying it gets to seven. I could see it that high if they're impact players. 
And as Jerry said, uh, with us last night and again just then, they're going to be very selective. They want production, not uh, guys who not projects. You know, are still, you know, they were four or five stars out of high school but haven't done anything yet um, and are back in the portal. Guys who have produced on the field is what the Longhorns are looking for. Remember that portal opened from December 4th until January 2nd, Ron. So only the 30 days, and then it closes back up until after spring practice for 15 more. So, you know, anybody that wants to make a move, they've got to do it here uh, before the new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. So we'll keep an eye on that conversation for sure. Hey, uh, Jerry, oh, you mentioned uh, Jamal Fenner now, Director of High School Relations and uh, Coach Andrew Makuba. Uh, how's he doing in that role? What's your what's the word? Of course, uh, you know, it's an important position for Sark, kind of the liaison between the coaching staff and the Texas high school coaches. How's that going for Jamal? Yeah, every coach I've talked to, high school coach, says that they are very, they believe in him very much in that role. So nothing but positive feedback. I mean, look, he had big shoes to fill in Chris Gilbert. Uh, decided to become a full-time position coach on the field and went to North Texas. Those are big shoes to fill. Chris Gilbert was tremendous at that job, hearing nothing but great things about Jamal Finner in that role. He's doing very well. Awesome. Hey, Jerry, uh, real quick, it it is being reported that the Aggies uh, are set to hire Colin Klein as their new OC. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, Rod, you know, that's a great question. Does that fit Connor Weekman's game? Hmm. Is Evan Stewart going to be excited about that? That is going to be so interesting to me because on the surface, if you're Connor Weekman, I'm not sure that is is your fit. So does that change things at quarterback, the way Connor Weekman's going to look at A&M? I think that's going to be the most fascinating thing. I think Colin Klein is a solid offensive coordinator. Rod, I'd love for you to give your thoughts on him overall. I think it's a really good hire. I just wonder if it's going to fit the pieces that are there now or if they're going to have to go through a little bit of process of change. I mean, that's going to be up to the Wheatman family. I mean, Connor's had uh, some concussion issues, had a broken tailbone in his foot. Um, the quarterback runs the ball under Colin Klein. How much is, is Connor Wheatman going to have interest in that considering his injury history? Very talented quarterback at, in College Station. Yeah, and I wonder if they'll try to get Avery Johnson down in College <laughs> Station, the uh, the young, fantastic quarterback they had to the, this yeah, year. So. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that, hey, the fascinating times of the transfer reporter, Colin Klein. We had the report earlier, Mike Elko was, was targeting Colin Klein and now apparently uh, is going to bring him in. Colin Klein, the former K-State quarterback, uh, had been doing a good job with that offense for for uh, Chris Kleiman there at K-State, his alma mater, now coming to Aggieland. Good stuff right there, guys. Appreciate it, Jerry. Enjoy the basketball game tonight. Keep your, uh, your phone busy, which I know you will. Uh, it's always buzzing and uh, keeping you posted with what's happening out there, recruiting and uh, portal. Thank you, my friend. And uh, we'll be uh, uh, guiding people over to that YouTube channel on Texas football, coffee and football coming up with you guys this morning. So thanks for jumping on with us uh, and give us a few minutes. Thanks, Jerry. You got, you got it, guys. Thank you. All right, coming back, we go bullish or BS. Bullish or BS, Rod? Including, we'll, we'll pick that up right there. Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator at AM. Interesting mm. hire. What would it signify to you with, yeah. uh, with uh, you know, the direction Mike Elko wants to take the Texas A&M program? Because you've got to build for the immediate, but you also got to build for the long term. It's pretty clear he's looking for yep. a type of um, yes, offense sir. there at Aggieland. We'll dive into that. Let's hook him up with Ian Rodby coming back. Bullish or BS? Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Bullish or BS time on a Wednesday. Yeah, we're working, man. That's no doubt. Working, man. Working, man. Getting up, getting out. Go get it. 
Appreciate you doing that on this uh, midweek Wednesday. Those who go to work, Rod. Love it, man. Got to go to work. We're going to work for you. Hey, uh, you mentioned this to me in the break, that uh, the passing of the great Norman Lear. Yeah. Norman Lear, 101 years old. Went from flying, uh, being a, a gunner operator on a B-17 B during World mm-hmm. War II to create over 100 TV shows. He is the sitcom legend. And let me start with you and uh, Ty. Kemp. I don't even know if Ty can be a part of this. Yeah, but, I uh, probably remember some of the show's references to him. I don't know if he's watched any of the normal Most shows. bullish on which of the following, Rod? Oh, man. All this... in the Family, Ooh. The Jeffersons, oh, Sanford man. and Son, Good Times, Maud. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Mary Tyler Moore, or One Day at a Time? Mm, about which one was the better one? <laughs> which one are I you might... most bullish on as the best sitcom? Um, for for out, out of the ones he created, yeah. uh, I'm gonna say it's um, man, it's or gonna be split. It's like. gonna be split to me between the Jeffersons and All in the Family. Yeah, because they were so they, they're, they're they, pretty they set, similar too. They were very similar, but I want to say they were they were really historical. Uh, in, oh, in terms yeah. of the context, in terms of the the content and the subject matter, uh, they had biracial relationships happening between the Jeffersons and all that. It was yeah, they they they, they did a lot of groundbreaking uh, things in the in the television industry in those two shows. Um, Good times was great. I mean, and I love television theme songs. And he's talking about some of the greatest television theme songs in the history of television. Nowadays, nobody appreciates television theme songs anymore. They don't even really have them. They just kind of play some little snippet. Uh, Seinfeld kind of started there, right? Like, no television theme song. We just have a little snippet of some funny music, and we just get right to it, which is great. But I miss television theme songs. And the, these are some of the greatest. All in the Family, oh, fantastic theme song. The Jeffersons, good oh, time. Moving on up, brother. Oh, man. That's fantastic well, stuff. Uh, and wasn't the, weren't the, I'm pretty sure in our yeah, spinoff. Yeah, yeah, Jefferson's was a spinoff spin ball on the family, yeah. right? Archie Bunker yep. and then, then That's why it was so, so groundbreaking because they remember they would go at each other and have these oh, like yeah. very racially charged oh, like, like, arguments and Unfortunately, debates. Outlaw and the Family would be canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah, you couldn't do it. With too. Archie Bunker, no, are you kidding me? No way. But you should be able to because it was satire and it was funny. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, before its time, it probably was, was a little over the top. But at the same time, well, uh, it was pushing the boundaries. Yes, exactly. Which is what it's a conversation that America needed to have. People don't like doing that anymore. And they were willing to have those uncomfortable. <laughs> comfortable awkward conversations on there and it was, it was america good. yeah it was great stuff i remember I, i'm bullish oh i love it I mean, one I, day at a time mary hartman come on man sanford and son bro. But, we, but for me at 51 uh, years old i'm telling you the one that hits home the most was different strokes because that was uh, that was my wheelhouse right okay. i'm growing up in the 80s and there's yeah. you know you know different strokes with uh the mm-hmm. rich guy on park avenue adopting the two black kids yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was. Oh man, that, I, mean, I watched I mean, of the shows he created without a doubt. That about, was the one I watched more than any. Talk other. about the awkward conversations they had, and a <laughs> yeah. bunch of those. Too. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, exactly. No, it was. Uh, I agree. It's uh, he was probably the so as far iconic as episodes. I probably saw the most different strokes without a doubt. Um, one day at a time, and probably. The Jeffersons. The yeah. Jeffersons. I pro- good seen, Times are pretty damn good, too. I've seen every episode of Good Times, Sanford and Son, All in the Family, oh, The Jeffersons. Red Fox. Uh, I, I mean, I grew up as an old soul. I mean, a lot of television shows that uh, older generations grew up in, I grew up watching. I, mean, I grew up watching, like, Donna Reed and Dobie Gillis show and the Dick Van Dyke show, uh, Patty Duke show, like, Mr. Ed. I grew up watching that stuff. Like, because my parents would watch old shows, and I loved watching old shows. So I actually have a kind of deeper appreciation That's for cool. some of the older well, uh, and I eras think, of, foot, uh, of television. I'm, I'm about 10 years older than you, but yeah. I also 
I've always said that this is not me complaining. I didn't. I grew up with no cable, so all I had was like those old mm-hmm. channel over the air channels yeah. in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. So I'd watch all those shows. That's, that's, all all I, that's all I had, man. Yeah. You, yeah, when TV would go off, remember like midnight or oh. like. Dee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would happen at our house all the time. We watch uh, my, in the summertime. We were off school. My brother and I would watch David Letterman, and then it would go off. You go off. Yeah, you watch the national, national anthem. anthem. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't go off. Kids these days don't even know anything about TV going on. No, we used to go off. We've done for the night. We're done. That's awesome. Oh man, old yeah. souls. Yeah, I mean. It was uh, uh, the shows that uh, oh, changed just, the world. They really stuff. were. They 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 really did. They changed the. Uh, they really were changed the American discourse forever as it relates to race and some of our sociological issues. They would address them. Yeah, oh, in these sure. shows, and it was re- it, they did it in a very creative and a fun way. Well, Norman right. Lear uh, passed away today, a television hey. pioneer, yes, 101 years young. Man, 101 years. That's, like I said, that's not a tragedy, folks. I mean, considering we, it, it, the tragedy would be him not leaving a legacy. That was the, I always say that everybody wants to leave a legacy. Um, man, his legacy is just great. And it's all about how many people that you can connect with and touch with your legacy in a positive way. Man, come on. That dude, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody out there that, that was able to connect and touch more people with a positive message well, than what he did with well, all those shows. Well, it's funny because, you know, CBS at the time was had the Beverly Hillbillies and Green Acres mm-hmm. and some of those homespun comedies. Yeah. And he said, you know, we can do better than that. We can do better. We can do better. Yeah. We can push some boundaries. And they did. And they did. And uh, 70s and into the 80s. and uh, America was better for it. Agreed. Yep. Where would we be without Archie Bunker? Like exactly. George Jefferson. George Jefferson. Come on, man. That was great. And what was, was uh, Rob Reiner, his his nephew, his, his son-in-law? Those two going <laughs> at it. So good. Those, those characters are iconic forever. Oh, without a doubt. On. Without a doubt. Uh, all right, we'll come back. Uh, we pick it up on the other side. I mean, who can forget Red Fox and Sanford and Son? Maybe we'll come oh. back at the top of the hour with I'm the, coming, Sanford, Elizabeth. And, the, the I'm Sanford and Son <laughs> theme song. We need some of that. We need some television TV, theme songs, get, get those ready, Ty. We'll have fun with that this morning. Uh, for sure. We don't have those anymore. They go right into the show these days. Then we don't really it. do sitcoms anymore, do we? No. Well, yeah, but they don't have team theme songs anymore. Come on, man. Battle of the Grey was like Modern Family and stuff. They don't do theme songs, really. All right, we'll be back. Mm-hmm. Bullish your BS right there. We'll pick up the uh, football conversation on the other side. Get ready for Texas Hoops tonight. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.